I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached Head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that Porsche now We are I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast Featuring the open-minded open musings of two early 40s <laughs> curmudgeons That's us, staring down the prospect of entertainment or elements I am one of your two co-hosts, and my name is Bill Scurry, and I'm from American Caesar Enterprises, and I'm joined by this guy. I am the second of your two co-hosts. I am Noah Tarno, a quiz master and founder of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular. And we are two open-minded musers, as we just stated yeah. well, above. Well, we we try to be, but I, I we've gotten some blowback from uh, our last episode that... Uh, one of us, I won't say who, wasn't open-minded <laughs> enough on the topic of Hamilton and specifically and musicals in general. Yeah. But hint, it was the one of us who doesn't have a soul, according to the internet. So yes, we'll, the uh, one of we'll us, just... the one of us who never saw Hamilton. I don't think that, that about how bad it was. For that an hour. has no bearing on the facts. Okay, yeah, so, no bearing. Right, so this right. week we are also discussing rhythmically applied sonic tones with lyrics over top of it. A song, an artist, a career, you might say. We're doing a retrospective on the life of a twenty-year-old legend, rapper from Atlanta, Lil Nas X, and his stupefying, stupendous hit, the musical meteor, a comet from out the blue, something called Old Town Road. Yes. That's our topic yes. this in, week. In some, in some renderings, it's Old Town Road, and then in parentheses, I got horses in the back. Yes, I got and horses also, in the back. And also, by the way, there's really two songs here. There's Old Town Road. And the remix. And then the brand new Old Town Road Billy Ray Cyrus remix. Isn't it amazing that Billy Ray Cyrus is still like famous? Considering how we first got famous was Achy Breaky Heart. Well, like, this is this is the thing. You go and you, you have to do the hard work. You have to do the the, the gutting work, the, the digging in a trench of making Achy Breaky Heart and having that percolate in culture for years, like a, like aquifer. And then later on, you can capitalize on it because it's like he that wouldn't have survived today. Achy Breaky Heart would have just been thrown to the side. But because he did it in the moment where you could do it, you got this thing you can cash in on and so it yeah. this is such a weird venn diagram of things the song we're talking about yeah. and it's like i, I well, threw this out to, it was a suggestion from friends of the show nick nadel said hey you might want to get on this and, and i'm like get on what and i, I realized it's like oh there was a, a you know a trending on twitter and it's like what the hell is old town road first of all i thought it was directions somewhere i thought it was telling me oh take old town road to uh you know long island expressway or something like that these kids the, we're gonna do i don't get it google maps hagstrom uh, Ma yeah, hagstrom books exactly hagstrom. I don't get it, Rand McAnally. <laughs> MapQuest. So, Map so does the MapQuest yeah. still exist? Oh, wait, keep I talking. I'm going to go to MapQuest.com no, and see what's there. Go ahead. Fact check yeah. that. Do so, Old Town Road is a song uh, by this Atlanta area rapper named Lil Nas X. As I stated before, 20 year old kid who I, I believe this is absolutely true. He started rapping professionally only months before this song took off in popularity, which must be the closest, you know, razor's breadth distance between moment when someone began their their avocation and the moment when they take off with success in it i can't i can't think of anything uh, or anybody who who hit faster than this kid um i'm sure there are examples you know so this kid was yeah. influenced by something called trap country and and we are truly uh reaching around the dark here noah with, with something called trap country i believe it's country trap okay country it. trap which you know i yes. usually thought most of country was a trap but this is a, something a little different country <laughs> trap 
Uh, so this kid wrote a song about horses. I don't know if they have a lot of those in Atlanta, the Atlanta suburbs, but you know, either way. He wrote this song. He was putting them up on SoundCloud, as a lot of kids do. You know, they, they make these songs. They throw them up on SoundCloud. It's easy way, you know, no gatekeeper. I mean, this this, this podcast goes up on SoundCloud. And we know a little thing or two about how we distribute uh, audio files. But it was TikTok, this app that he really blew out on. TikTok maybe even will come up as a future topic in this show. But it caught some uh, friction in the popular marketplace based on the fame that TikTok had given it when kids were recombining it and coming up with memes, this thing started to chart on country billboard charts and they were going to spike it because it did not adhere to the standards of country. So the thing is billboard uh, shot it out there and then you had a sort of firestorm over it's bad optics. It looks bad that you've got this kid who's African-American, uh, you know, and it's this this fusion of a couple of different styles. And you know, all of a sudden you got this orthodoxy, especially with country, a musical idiom that we, I think, rightly consider to be mostly Caucasoid. Not that there aren't African-American artists who've dabbled in country. It's not, you know, generally what they think of themselves as. Either way, so you had the, the, the editorial words of somebody actually saying it doesn't adhere to the standards of country versus the optics of kicking a young black man out of it. And, uh, you know, it creates a little firestorm. Storm. No, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Billboard like ever eat shit on this one? We're in the midst of that right now. Okay. And actually, but by, by the time this podcast goes live, the story might have developed. So as I understand it, when Lil Nas X, real name, what's his real name? Montero Lamar Hill. Yeah. Just turned 20 a couple weeks ago. When he first uploaded the song to both SoundCloud and iTunes, he labeled it country which anyone could do. We could label this podcast country when we put it up in these places. And as a result, it got picked up. Uh, and some radio stations, it was so fast, some radio stations had to rip it from YouTube to play it. As a result, it hit the Billboard country charts. It didn't hit the... It's really weird. Chris Malamphy, who's a great music writer, a uh, columnist for Slate, he's got a really insanely detailed article about this whole chart kerfluffle on Slate that's worth reading. And there are separate country charts, and um, it really wasn't an airplay hit. Country radio stations aren't really playing it other than like Radio Country Disney or something. So he labeled it country. So as a result, it hit the Billboard country chart. After that, Billboard spiked it because because how charts have changed, how record sales have changed. It used to be, you know, what hit the, the country sales chart, the stuff that was sold at country record stores. And same thing with R&B at black-owned record stores. R&B charts used to be called race charts, if you can believe yeah. it. But, you know, record stores don't count for shit anymore. And there is no black iTunes. There is no black Spotify. There's just Spotify and iTunes. So Billboard has to take some editorial stances in what's country and what's not. And they spiked, after one week, they spiked Old Town Road with this quote, upon further review, it was determined that Old Town Road by Lil Nas X does not currently merit inclusion in Billboard's country charts. When determining genres, a few factors are examined, but first and foremost is musical composition. While Old Town Road incorporates references to country and cowboy imagery, it certainly does, it does not embrace enough elements of today's country music to chart in its current version. And they later added, this has nothing to do with the race of the performer. So it got knocked off the country charts, even though it's, it's number one on the Hot 100, blah, blah, blah. Now, the development that's happening this week is some country people have defended him, including Billy Ray Cyrus. So Billy Ray Cyrus did a remix in which he added a couple verses of him. Are they going to put it back on the country charts now that it's got Billy Ray Cyrus on it, who not only is a white guy, but Billy Ray Cyrus? He's royalty. He's country royalty. Yeah, that'll be a bad look. So there are a lot of things here. You know, the mixing of genres. And of course, people have accused him of being racist. You know, there was a Taylor Swift song that was high on the country charts, even though it was not a country song. It was just Taylor Swift. I mean, she does songs that have 
very few country elements on it. What right. defines country? Uh, right, and Beyonce's and, Daddy Lessons was embargoed, and that was clearly yeah, that a country was, song. There's definitely some race issues here. I think it's a little more complicated than that, but I think race is most of it. Melanthe's article is very interesting. His thesis is basically... It just proves the charts are broken. I think he's right about that. Sorry, no, t- tell I, me I, what, I maybe went off in other Tell directions. me what you think about the song. I want to hear what you think about the song. Uh, I, you know, the song's fine. I don't like, there's very little hip hop I like, and there's very little country I like. I like I like a lot of classic country, like Johnny Cash and Patsy Cline. You know, anything in the last 50 years, I don't have much use for. And hip hop, not much more I have much use for. So, so you're talking about an intersection of two genres that it's hard to appeal to me anyway. So the odds of this song, no matter how good it might be being a favorite of mine or like next to nothing uh it's fine like i say it's short it's in and out it's hooky uh it's sticky you know the lyrics are kind of basic but they they have this nice universal rebellion message you know i'm gonna take my horse to the old town road i'm gonna ride till i can't no more i feel like there's not much there i mean there is there's there's stuff there i don't understand because i don't i'm not keen on the hip-hop or country idioms but uh it's fine any chance to blow up the conservative strictures of the national country scene i think is a good idea and frankly all genres to begin with because we're in an era where maybe the idea of musical genre is is something that time has passed there's an article in the new yorker that said this is an example of why we should throw away the idea of musical genres. You know, I think this song's a good example of that. So the song's fine. What about you? It's almost like you read my notes. I feel like everything you said, I, ah! you put it totally perfectly. Where I think that the song itself is not unpleasant to listen to. But there's a difference between observing that somebody made something pleasant and whether I care about it or not. And I really don't yeah, care totally. about it. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Like, you know, we've had this discussion about hip hop before. I draw a line with trap in particular. It is a sound. It is the sort of prevailing idiom for the moment. I I don't get trap. And I, I understand that it's like saying I don't get hip-hop right now because that's pretty much the, the orthodoxy in a lot of hip-hop is this trap sound. If you fuse trap and country, those two things I really can't get behind. And so it's like regardless of whether or not this guy made a decent-sounding song, and it is. It's very simple. Like you said, it's it's in and out, and the lyrics are all pretty prima facie. They're just what a 20-year-old kid would write. It's catchy. I'm a, you know, like yeah. we'll get into the very, very shortly, we'll get into why it's popular. That's kind of a bigger question right now, and maybe that what you're saying kind of lends itself towards an explanation but i you know personally would never listen to it again i noticed that the uh, the official music video was just pretty much clips from from red dead redemption yeah. 2 yeah but yeah it, totally, totally i thought yeah. first i thought that that it was part of the soundtrack and it's like no they just featured clips from red dead redemption 2 it has nothing to do with the game other than the fact that that's what they used as um visuals right. and it's like is that legal yeah but I- you you say you say they as if a record company did that it was just Freaking Nas X in his uh, on his Mac or whatever. Again, these things it seemed ridiculous. I can't believe I'm saying somebody. I I can't believe I'm saying the word country trap, and yet this is (laughs) this is the perfect. Let's clarify something. That's two words, not one. Hat down, cross town, living like a rock star. Spend a lot of money on my brand new guitar. Baby's got a habit, diamond rings and Fendi sports bras. Riding down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car. Okay, Val, I think the most interesting aspect of this is the racial thing and the billboard debate and all that, but, but let's stick with our normal format. 
Why do you think Old Town Road is so popular right now? That's a good damn question. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like at the top of the questions for something like this. And, and some of these things we've talked on the show, I honestly scratch my head and wonder, how did this become a thing? Some I understand, some I don't. I guess, you know, it's got the sticky thing. You can just talk about it archetypally, like, because it's got this the stickiness that you were saying. It's viral. I mean, it, it has the, the lifespan of a microorganism that's who's born and dead on the same day. You know, this is something that is just designed to spike. When you put cotton candy in water and it just fizzles away, and I, I'm not saying I don't want Montero Lamar Hill to have a, a career ongoing. I just don't know if this kind of thing has staying power. But the, the weird thing is, it's like, what is it about country trap? Was it appealing to country fans? Was it appealing to hip-hop fans? Is there some mysterious third bracket of people who are somehow in the middle? Because I'll be honest, my own ignorance and my own sort of short-sightedness informs me to think that those are two indivisible communities that, you know, that there's no spillover. I guess that this is just saying the lines are blurred all over the place. And everything you were saying about dissolving genre is the world we're living in. But it's like we were were taught, I guess, socially that there are brackets and categories. And so kids don't have that to the same degree we were. So to see the walls dissolved, to see these things, you know, go away, it doesn't make me angry. It just makes me quizzical. Uh, I'm, I'm just left like, well, what do I call something? You know, like, what do I call it? And that's, you know, our, our, our thing is figuring out taxonomy and, and, and modeling the universe. What the fuck do I call something? I mean, that's not really the question of why it's popular, but it, it's the question about why it's popular more than an answer to why it's popular. But maybe I'd just say it's something as simple as the flash and the pan initude of it. You know, it's the stickiness. It's a novelty. <laughs> There's a word. Flash and a pan initude of it. Uh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, am I wrong? I mean, what, do you have something more than that? Can you please expand on this for uh, me? It's hooky. It's cat. It's been stuck in my head since I first heard it. So there's that. Even though I don't like it that much, it's been running on a loop in my freaking brain. Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing is that we're in an age of, especially among younger people, lines being blurred and the remix culture and all that. And everything combines what comes before. So it's only natural. The hot artists, I think we saw some of this with Post Malone. The hot artists are going to recontextualize and combine different things. And crossover of hip hop and country does not seem that strange to me because they both come from highly, traditionally, and by traditionally, I mean like from 20 years ago to five years ago, 10 years ago, they come from highly stratified, highly structured music industries. You know, Nashville is a very structured industry and and hip hop is in some ways as well. And the kind of semi-revolution we've been seeing certainly in hip hop in the last few years is the kid in their bedroom crashing those gates. And while Lil Nas X was that kid, he's, he's quickly been subsumed. I mean, Columbia Records is now releasing this song. Yeah, $3 million contract or something like that. You know, they don't seem that far off to me. Uh, Another reason it's popular, like everything's popular in the show, because it's popular, because it caught on, because it won the viral lottery. So I I think we need to explain how it was specifically memefied on TikTok and other places. I know nothing about TikTok, but I watched on YouTube. There's a thing called the... One of our first topics, uh, Ray Schrimmer, got popular for the Mannequin Challenge. People were making these home videos. And there's a similar thing here called the Yeehaw Challenge, which is basically you see a kid usually a kid doing something dancing or just sitting there and often it says like they're drinking some kind of juice and it turns into yeehaw juice and generally they jump up in the air and when they land they cut it so they land they're wearing like stereotypical country outfit you know the girls got the braids and the the gingham shirt tied and the torn jeans and the boys got the cowboy hat and all that and they're dancing and it's all set to old town road it's a meme and people like this stuff i think it's incredibly stupid but whatever it's no stupider than a lot of the <laughs> (laughs) dumb crap 
Whatever. I mean, think of the dumb crap we did when we were 16. It's just we weren't able to put our crap on YouTube so that some middle-aged loser a thousand miles away can watch it. That's the only difference, really. You know, we are in an era of um, mixing things up. All the more reason why this why this debate over it's not country enough is not only racial, r- racist, but absurd. And I want to be clear about what I think is racist about it. You know, you said we don't think of you know, African-Americans as playing country and vice versa, but... Uh, and Melanthi brings this up in his article. Darius Rucker sure. of Hootie and the Blowfish, who is African-American, has, I believe, eight country number one hits in the past few years. But there's a difference. Darius Rucker is not playing any kind of music that could conceivably be thought of as hip hop or rap or something that comes from, you know, an African-American inner city neighborhood. Also, Lil Nas X, if he went by Montrero Hill... I think it would be, you know, there's the branding thing there. Yeah, I'm going to take my horse down Old Town Road. Wait, we're meant to say it dramatically. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to take my horse down Old Town Road, and I'm going to ride until I can't no more. I'm riding on a tractor. With lean in my bladder. I'm cheating on my baby. <laughs> you can go and ask her. No, Atarno, country trap, trap country. Would you have gotten stuck in the country trap as a kid? Would your leg have been stuck in that trap? Uh, no. I mean, I think I've often said, you know, as a kid, I, did, I had no use for hip hop or country for that matter. I think if I were younger now, I'd have more use, not for country, but for hip hop, simply because it would more have permeated my world. And, and like we say, the, the lines would have been more blurred. It wouldn't have been this oh my God, like you're either a hip hop person or a rock person. You know, they've been blurred a lot since we were a kid. You know, speaking of the chart thing, I still remember in 1992, Billboard changed its its algorithm for determining sales. Uh, I don't remember exactly what changed, but there was this change. In the first week they changed it, the number one album was NWA. And people were up there like, this can't be right because it was a very white rockist attitude of the chart watchers. And they were stunned and shocked that this... Not only this black artist, but this very black artist that rock people did not like or understand or frankly felt threatened by that it was number one. But it was. It had sold more copies that week. When I was a chart watcher in the late 90s, I routinely saw that. The the big hyped hip hop album that came out that week would debut at number one. So yeah, so I, I'd be a little more into that aspect of it. So while I wouldn't have much use for this song, I do think that I might have done these little meme things. I might have done the Yeehaw Challenge. I probably would have done the Mannequin Challenge just because I always wanted attention as a kid. I always wanted to perform. So I definitely could see myself jumping onto this trend, even if I'm not into the song and not into the country aesthetic. Like, going, yeah, I'm making my video. And, you know, knowing my, my viral luck, four people would have watched it. But whatever, I would have given it a shot. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you bring up the viral thing because some of these moments have this um, bolt-on experience attached to it that we didn't have when we were kids you know there there wasn't a participation element of some of the things that were popular you know we just sort of sat back and wash over us we were you know uh, uh, being projected at and yet something like this and the mannequin challenge and and the shoot let's not forget the shoot of course shoot. from our uh, yeah. very popular episode the shoot that you can play very at home popular. very popular you can play at home and there's this component of participation uh, i mean no the short answer is i i really can't stand country and i really don't like trap so i don't think wherever you hit me this song would have been some alien novelty regardless i don't know i i don't necessarily know if i would have participated out of the out of the fear of looking silly if i did it wrong <laughs> but that's why i didn't you know do things like the talent show and i didn't try to perform in front of people just because it was such a, a vanity issue of looking foolish i'm on lil nas x featuring nice. billy ray cyrus 
I don't know anything about him. All I know is I've seen a few little clips about people talking about the video. This shit is so viral. For whatever, it's like so viral. It's a really good song though, but it's it's a number one song in the um, country. Um, number one song in the country. Really? Yes. Holy shit. I'm curious to listen to it because it has Billy Ray Cyrus in it. Well, we got a few topics here. Is the success of Old Town Road? Is the blurring of genre lines? Is the racial struggle over billboard chart genre classifications are any of these things or none of these things signs of the apocalypse being nigh not from my vantage point and i guess you could say if you were some orthodoxy dude running music and your whole idea of existence was to make little um matchboxes where you keep the stuff in then yes if it was like the the noah tarno of the 1990s whose job it was to make these charts and to itemize things i'm not saying you i'm saying some contemporary or counterpart of yours right no, no, I hear you. Yeah, maybe it's an apocalypse for somebody who's really regimented. And and that's 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 us. I mean, I think a lot of our reactions, I'm saying us in terms of middle-aged men, middle-aged white men from suburbs, whatever you want to call it. it you know, we just had this expectation that things fit in little boxes. So, I mean, I don't give a shit. It, I don't have a I don't have a, a horse in this fight. Is that is that an expression? That's not an no, expression. No pun intended. No I don't pun intended. Yeah, there's no I don't you, have a dog in this fight. I don't have a dog in this fight. There's no such thing as a horse He's, fight. But if there was, I don't yeah. have a, I don't have a horse well, in this horse fight. I don't have a horse in this joust. Um, no, I, it's not a sign of the apocalypse at all. And and I think to the bigger point, driving back to what you were saying about dissolving genre, I did not have that part in my notes, and I didn't think about it until you said it, but the fact that everything is so much more fluid, in a way, is liberating. It's freeing. And, and it's also... Like, why would anybody adhere to ancient uh, morphology if you didn't have to, if you didn't want to? I guess we could have gotten away with that in the 90s if we were making things. We could have said, oh, you know, fuck the labels, fuck these things. And people who did those things, you know, got airplay on MTV on like 120 minutes. Or Is that what it was? The 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 sort of alt no, show? No, 120, mi- well, 120 minutes was... At the time, it was called college rock, and soon after indie rock, it was very white. I mean, I love it. Hundred yeah, minutes, yeah. Was no, fucking I, awesome. I, I, but right, it right, was no, but it was it was not about mixing genres. It was about college rock. It okay, was, it was painfully white. But the, the kind of thing like where people were not uh, like you know. I was a Tori Amos just as a white example or early Bjork you know it's like these people who were just peeling apart layers and you know didn't really give a shit about boxes and making sounds were regarded as outre you know this doesn't fit into anything we don't know what to call it so you know call it alternative and it's like but it's you know these things are, are so much more than that and now that's kind of de rigueur everybody has the chance to be you know not inside of a box and yet there's still this pushback for people who want to keep things in boxes and so you know like again I'm separate because I don't care about the song but I kind of like what it represents. I kind of like that the tumult that's happening because it seems like a, a vast, over, vastly overdue correction. It's a little like Troy Sivan to to mention one of our older topics. Like we had no use for that music, but we liked that a flamboyantly gay guy is out there, you know, doing his thing. I mostly agree. So like the three you know, subtopics I brought up. One, the success of the song, I don't care. Two, the success of blurring genre lines. I actually think that's the anti-apocalypse. I think that's how, if we're going to get out of this mess our world is in, it's about breaking down these barriers and race mixing and and combining labels. And while I am never going to be comfortable being anything but male, I'm always heartened by the rise of non-binary as an identity. I think what is a possible sign of the apocalypse and it's really pushing back on the mixing thing, is this conflict about genre. Maybe I'm taking an uncharitable negative viewpoint of this, but my my interpretation of why Billboard spiked the song from the country charts, yes, I mean, you could call it racist, but there's there, it's deeper than that. Country 
as an idiom, at least modern country, strikes me as very conservative, both big C and small C. Oh, yeah. That's um, Scotty, Scotty McCreary. We talked all about that. Yeah. And, and, you know, they don't want to take chances. You know, we're in a cultural moment where so much of the ethos pervading the right wing of our country is based on nothing more than pushing back on the other side. We don't give a shit as long as the other side's unhappy. This is a way of saying, like, look, they see this black kid with the rapper name. And by the way, he's not really rapping in this song. So what what are we... I mean, I guess that's the difference between hip-hop and rap. Rap is an actual form of expression vocally. Hip-hop is the culture that surrounds it and some forms of music that attend to it. I think that is a dangerous trend, this idea that we're going to spike this song from the charts, which who gives a shit what's on the charts? Like, why does that matter <laughs> to anyone in any way? Yeah, good point. Like, so fucking Lil Nas X is number one, big fucking deal, you know? Like, how does that affect your enjoyment of any, you know, Florida Georgia line or Scotty McCreary or, or any of these painfully white dudes? Like, you can still listen to them. You can ignore them. It's not required by law that everyone listen to the number one song. It might seem that way, but it's not. Maybe in Kentucky it uh, is. We so don't know. that's a dangerous trend. This idea of we're going to micromanage culture because we're, you know, retrenching into our bunkers, keeping out the weird different people from mixing things up. Yeah. I mean, I think they're fighting a losing battle, frankly, but... In fighting that battle, they could do untold damage. Don't tell my heart, my achy, breaking heart. I just don't think you'd understand. Noah Tarno, is your dislike of this, if we can even apply this, is it based on jealousy? Where, 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 do, we, where do we come down on this topic? Uh, you know, I'm always jealous of people who are successful and get attention online, but uh, I don't think I'm jealous of Lil Nas X because it's such a different world from anything I'm trying to do. Uh, I might have some jealousy in this case of the of the country people presumably re- rejecting this because I think, like a lot of people, I get jealous of the supposed gatekeepers when they make decisions that I think are unfair or cruel or shallow or close-minded uh, i don't know if you call that jealousy but yeah i mean i you know why isn't anyone giving me authority to decide something because i would decide better than these people i'm a little jealous of chris melanthi because i was going to be that guy i was obsessed by the way with the billboard charts when i was a teenager i bought like those books of the billboard chart history and i read them to shreds and i was really into charts and i i remember when um my local classic rock radio station did a top 500 countdown of the greatest classic rock songs of all time i basically stayed up all night listening to it i like i recorded cassettes of it and i like charted it and i like wrote out my own charts so i was really into that so there's this part of me that like dreamed i'd be like the journalist authority on charts and chart history i mean i drifted away from interest in that so i'm I'm jealous of that guy a someone told me listening to his podcast they think his voice sounds exactly like mine and B, he's a good friend of a good friend of mine. Maybe I should sneak into his house and murder him or take his identity or something. Uh, that was actually gonna, I don't think that's, that's going to happen. That's exactly what I was going to say is you should steal his skin and yeah. wear it over your face. And Sounds walk like the that's what a, in his skin. Yeah. Right, that's what a rational person would do. I don't think anybody would fault you for that. That's what a real fan does. What about you, Bill? No, there's no no jealousy. I mean, other than the the token jealousy of somehow this kid stumbled across the uh, viral lottery. And I mean, it's it, it's yeah. not just the viral lottery. You know, you do need to buy a ticket, but everyone can't buy a ticket. You have to do a few arcane things in in advance to get into the viral lottery, and then there's no, you know, guarantee you're going to cross over. He in particular did some things that to me would just strike me as being that like, what, what made you think to do that? And second of all, how did anybody find it? And third of all, 
how did it blow up into something huge that you're a million, you know, a millionaire three times over? That's fascinating, you know. And again, I, I say this as a dude who who was doing a, a chimpanzee chronicle on on Facebook. And then I, I do a, co- a Cobra Commander thing every damn day, and it's like yeah. I, I I'm putting these little lots in the you know these little lots out in the world. It's like, will any of this stuff catch on? It doesn't have to, but I'm just curious. I, it's, it's not that I put so much work in a Cobra Commander that I'm I'm owed five minutes of fame, but I'm just curious. It's like, well, this guy didn't do that much work to come up with uh, Old Town Road, and he's got more than five minutes of fame. So it's like, how does one translate, and how does not? It's the incongruity. I get a little jealous over maybe the experience of what it's like, but in particular, there's nothing that he did that I'd want to take away from him or I'd, I'd envy or that he shouldn't have yeah. that I would want in, in, yeah. in, in return. Actually, from what I can tell, he did make some smart moves. I, I was reading that he dropped out of college and his family discouraged him from that. And his father, his uncle, some older male relative said to him, he said, look, you know, you want to be a rapper. There's nothing wrong with being a rapper, but like the competition is so tough. How are you going to set yourself apart? And he found a way. I mean, yeah. And Put on a ten-gallon Stetson. Right, he thought to label it country on iTunes and SoundCloud. I mean, that it was brilliantly simple. And yes, he won the viral lottery. So you know, I give this guy credit. Like, unlike some of the quote-unquote viral stars we've talked about, who are just these stupid hacks who do thirty seconds of work and then consider themselves genius. Like this guy, I give more credit. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see where he goes with this. Will his next song be anything at all? I mean, I'm mildly curious. I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to it. Let's check in with this a year and see where Lil Nas X is then. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be putting out the complete Lil Nas X at the end of time. You know, the Apple Records full compendium. Right. The Crestomathy. Rec- yeah, I don't yeah. think it's coming. That the, way. the essential Lil Nas X, a five, <laughs> a five disc collection. Disc, like that's even a Lil Nas X, number term. ones. Just the, <laughs> just the collection of, of his chart toppers. That's it. A coffee table book of Lil Nas X photography. 30 years of Lil maximum of maximum spirit. rhythm and blues. Exactly. Yeah, uh, 30 years of maximum country trap. Huh? <laughs> How about that? Uh, and Noah, where do you think, uh, where, where does this kind of guy fall on the Felonian scale for you? He's high up because he's very much, um, we talked about guys like this. I mentioned Troy Saban. He's very much like, look, at, at best... He's a sign of more positive things in our culture. And even if you discount that, he's anodyne. And we've talked about a lot of people like that. Like at worst, he's harmless. And at best, he's he shows the way forward for our society. So he's somewhere, you know, hovering above the middle, I guess. Uh, what about you? I don't know, man. I, I, I'm i I'm getting a little, little bit of the block boy JB thing out of this, which is this is something fused to an internet moment and it kind of goes away. You know, this is, it's got more on his mind than the shoot does because, you know, Billy Ray Cyrus didn't pa- parachute in from Nashville to uh, add early credibility to the to the shoot, but I don't. I think it's a little trifle. I think it's a confection that it's going to be over with and done. And you know, everyone else is okay with something just coming and going. Uh, I'm the one that's like, just for once, I want to talk about something that might have some pop culture legs. And not that we haven't had our fair share of that on the show. It does seem like more often than not, we're talking about just some vapor cloud that is just just escapes and goes away. I, 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 I guess, but you very forcefully closed your mind to the idea that I among Many people have pushed forward that Hamilton is something that has legs and is more than just a vapor puff of smoke. You wouldn't even consider that. Thousands of people, millions of people are pushing that in your face, and you wouldn't even open your mind to that possibility, my friend. Millions of people or me? Who's more correct at the end of the day? It depends which millions of people you're talking about, but in the case of Hamilton, I say not you. So (laughs) Well, I think that takes us to the end of yet another— Yes, it does. Hellish round delay 
You've gone through yes. a dark night of the soul with me and Noah. If you'd want to subject yourself to more of this, and, and, and I <laughs> would, not, would not blame you for it, you can find past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Will Show. Write to us, Noah and Will Don't Get It at gmail.com. Give us a review on iTunes. For some reason, we're going to stop begging at some point. I'm on Twitter at William Scurry, and I'm on YouTube at AM Caesar. And I will actually be on YouTube uh, this coming Wednesday. Day. Uh, so that'd be 14, 15, 16, 17, I believe. I am going to be moderating a live chat, a live stream discussion for my friends over at uh, the Wrong Real Podcast about the Abyss. It will be at 2 nice. p.m. Nice. Yes. Yeah, nice. Could be pretty cool. Yeah, it's James Hancock, the the, the 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 head of that show, programmer extraordinaire, and our old friend Adam Rackoff will be discussing the Abyss, one of my favorite movies, and I will be moderating the discussion. Wait, wait, hang on. 17 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. Yes. So you got to get away from this East Coast centric, uh, East Coast centrism of yes. the time there being the time everywhere. Uh, well, before uh, I'm I'm Noah Tarner, the Big Quiz Thing, BigQuizThing.com, corporate and private and trivia events nationwide. On Twitter at Noah Tarno, on Twitter at Big Quiz Thing, Instagram Big Quiz Thing, Facebook Big Quiz Thing. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to um, fans who, in the last couple weeks, have uh, I, I think our last two episodes just coll- uh, just uh, you know colloquially have uh, I've gotten a lot of good feedback. Our Hamilton episode and our sandwiches episode, right? Which yes, was an April Fool's joke. Uh, shout out to the people who like those Aaron Grunfeld, Susie Sherman, really enjoying it. Uh, Jan Olson Cudigan. Uh, I'm going to forget other people, but when I think of you all, I'll give you a shout out next time. Thank you for listening. Please give us uh, iTunes reviews, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I will point out that Amanda Kuda, friend of the show, past guest yes. and a listener, she did say, funny episode, never do that again. So uh, we had a little bit oh, the, of a... The, the sandwiches thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think she did, didn't want us to take a diversion. She wanted an actual episode. But So, uh, yeah, that's all it. Right. That got us to the end of the next one here. We did it. All right. See you next week. On sandwiches. All right. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2019.